0: Welcome, we're back with another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work life balance, and defining happiness and success. My name is Graham Alcott, I'm your host for the show, and this week I'm talking to Radio One and CBBC presenter Katie Thistleton. So, just before I get into the episode, just to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Think Productive, we run a whole range of workshops around the world. Our vision is a world where work is full of purpose, clarity and focus and where no one dreads Monday mornings. So if you are a fan of my book, How to Be a Productivity Ninja, or even if you're not, but you want us to come in and help your team, uh, then head to thinkproductive.com and we will help you to do your best work. So let's get straight into this episode. Super honest one, this one. I met Katie, as you're going to hear. About a year ago, I was on her podcast, the Life Hacks podcast on Radio One, which is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, she just has lots of interesting stuff to say about just the role of the media, social media, being a celebrity, being a famous face. We actually recorded this one a little bit before the tragic death of Caroline Flack. And I think given all of that, there's uh, just even more poignance to some of the conversations that we're having here. Uh, As I say, Katie's super honest, really just enjoyed having this conversation, really insightful. And uh, someone who's doing jobs that I think, you know, many of us at sort of different times, particularly in childhood, maybe like the first jobs that we really thought we wanted to do might have been the kind of jobs that Katie does, right? Like being a presenter on Radio 1, tick, you know, being someone on Children's BBC, tick, you know, like uh, when you first start watching TV, you think, I want to be them, I want to be doing that kind of thing. And uh, what's interesting is how Katie's reflections are, you know, even she has days where she doesn't want to be doing what she's doing and a lot of it is harder than it seems. So really interesting conversation. We did this one down the line. Took us a while, by the way, to get this scheduled. She's uh, very busy. I've been very busy. And uh, yeah, obviously talks to the irony of the title of this podcast being beyond busy. But yeah, it took us a good while to get this together. We were going to try and meet in London and in Manchester. It didn't quite happen. So we ended up doing this one down the line. Here we go. Here's my conversation with Katie Thistleton. I'm with Katie Thistleton. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good, thanks. Where are you in the world today? Because you always seem to be in different places.
1: Yeah, I'm actually I'm at home today. I'm in Manchester. So, uh, yeah, doing lots of different sort of meetings on the phone and that kind of thing. And then off to London tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, had a couple of days actually in my own house for a change, which
0: is oh, nice. That's nice. Um, and last time we spoke, last week, you were in um, like a, a sort of succession of Premier Inn hotels with doing a BBC thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was in so many premiere-ins that week. Three different <laughs> premieres that were all depressingly similar. Uh, so yeah, I was I was out doing sort of talks in schools for BBC Bite Size. So basically, yeah. they they take various radio DJs, Radio One and Capital DJs and stuff out, and we we interview a panel of people who work in the media in front of uh, in front of the teenagers in a in a bid to inspire them to want to come and work in the creative industries. So nice. I was doing a bit of that. I was just chatting to, my mate's just got a puppy and um, there's sort of three of us in this group chat and two of them have got dogs now. And I am I am so desperate for a dog, but <laughs> I just don't think I can get a dog while I'm not guaranteed to be in the same city for at least five days a week. I think I just, I need a job where I, most of the time I'm going to be in the same city and then I can arrange what i'm gonna do with that dog but yeah my life doesn't work that way i don't think you can take puppies to the premiere (laughs) and
0: well yeah i think that's the sensible way around to make that decision and the slightly less sensible way would be to have a dog that's so small that it fits in your bag and then you can take it to like the radio one studio and to school i
1: have thought about this
0: You've thought I've about thought it. I've thought about <laughs> getting a little, tiny,
1: um, a little tiny dash hunt and getting a little sausage dog and th- you know, I could probably sneak it into hotels with me. I could take it on the train. I have thought about it and I've thought about how much better that would make the sort of train hotel experience having a little coffee with you but it might get complicated when they want to go to the toilet and stuff so
0: yeah for sure is it it's all great in theory and then the logistics will let you down somewhere along the line. yeah I think yeah, yeah, I yeah. think
1: it would be more stress than it's worth so I should probably hold off I've got the rest of my life to have a dog so
0: yeah well <laughs> let's use the dog as a segue because one of the first things you did was you used to be uh on tv with a dog called Hacker
1: yes that's, i did for
0: six years i did that job yeah so um tell us about that because i think what's fascinating to me about that is like there must be loads of people for whom you doing that job they must be really jealous jealous of you because it's like that's the first job that you can really visualize somebody else doing when you're like six or however however old <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like, yeah. it's like i want to be the person who's like sat with the dog or with gordon the gopher as it was which kind of shows yeah you
1: you're right, um, actually. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I suppose it is, being a, being a kids' TV presenter. But it's it's not something I ever planned to do or wanted to do. Um, I kind of en- ended up in that job uh, randomly. So, But it was brilliant. It was the most fun job in the world. I mean, yesterday I was on Newsround talking about Children's Mental Health Week. So I was back in the same studio because we, yeah. we have the same yeah. studio as Newsround. So I was back in that same room and it just feels like home to me. I was, I was there for so long. Nice. It feels like going back to the house you grew up in. Um, but it was it was the best job ever i mean now that i've left on reflection I, I i took it for granted i think everybody does i tried my best not to take it for granted at the time but you do you know your yeah. job is a job yeah, yeah. at the end of the day um it has its downsides but it was just so fun it was sort of turning up just doing a few hours of telly messing around with really great people and um yeah it's just it was a brilliant job
0: and how did you get into it? So you said you fell into it, but it, it, it's, it's not something that whenever, I, whenever I've fallen over, that's where I ended up, right?
1: <laughs> no, exactly. It's a bit of a weird job to fall into. So I, I wanted to be uh, a writer, really, from being really young. I wanted to be a journalist. So I, I went to uni and then I I trained as a journalist and I started working in the BBC, just in any job I could get. So I, I came in on like quite an entry-level job as a production management assistant, which I guess is almost a bit like a runner, it's sort of at the same level as runner, but you're, you're kind of doing all the admin, you're organising everybody. Yeah. Um, so I, that was kind of my first job. And then I was a PA, I was a secretary. And I was a PA to the two bosses um, in children's, the the CBB's boss and the CBBC boss. So I was doing that job and I I really wanted to be in a creative role. So while I was doing that, I was applying for for researcher jobs and and, and, you know, jobs on productions. Um, and then eventually I did. I, I got a researcher job the BBs and started doing that. And that was essentially writing little songs and stories for the babies <laughs> all day and, and recording little radio <laughs> programs for babies. And But I was still, I, I did both um there was a bit of crossover where I was still kind of working for my my big boss at CBBC and and she just said to me one day you ever thought about being a presenter and I was like no <laughs> definitely not um and she said well do you want to go for an audition and I, it just came out of nowhere and I was absolutely blindsided by it wow. um, and and they kind of put me forward for an audition and they, they needed a, a, a new girl at CBBC basically there was uh it was all boys. It was a proper sausage fest. There were, there were no girl <laughs> presenters. What, what The last girl presenter had left when the BBC had moved up from London to Manchester. Right. Her name was London, so I guess she couldn't really move, <laughs> uh, move to Manchester. She had to change her name. So yeah, I went for the audition and I think I was just cheap and available, ready to start on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave me the job, but I was honestly like a rabbit caught in the headlights for the first two years thinking, what the hell is going on? Um, I did drama GCSE, you know, and I uh, I was always really chatty in the office. And, yeah. And, and, you know, if if they needed someone to be pudsy, I'd volunteer. If they needed somebody to be in the background on Blue Peach, I'd volunteer. But I, I wasn't sort of trying to become a presenter at all. I, I still wanted to work behind the scenes. Um, so you just dressed really up now, as pudsy, whatever,
0: it. just for like sort of fits and giggles rather than yeah. like this is a, you know this is where you want to take it but it must have I think been so
1: yeah just because I was young and it just yeah. you know you, you grab all those fun opportunities because it just seems like a bit of a laugh and I found it very exciting to be kind of working in that environment where that kind of silly stuff was going on I think I did punsy a few times so I just thought it was funny yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah well, That's well, have-
1: a funny thing to put on Facebook and be like oh look I was punsy today I just thought it was a bit of a laugh <laughs>
0: We have something in common there then, because one of my student jobs was, I was Hugh Bear, which is the Warwickshire County Cricket Club mascot. Oh, and, amazing. Um, and that was just like, I saw the advert and I just thought, that just sounds like a fun student job to do. So <laughs> so so.
1: You'll know the levels of dehydration that, oh, that you go through. Oh, my goodness, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. It's not nice.
0: Yeah, and um, you, you would have had the lights of the TV studio, presumably, but for me, it was like the middle of the pitch in July, midday. Uh, and we were often sponsored by a gym. So I'd be doing like star jumps <laughs> and stuff in the costume in the middle of the pitch.
1: Um, oh, yeah, I used to wow. lose like
0: half a stone doing yeah. that. Yeah,
1: you sweat so much in it, don't Perhaps, you? But yeah. I, I honestly felt a little bit drunk for yeah. days after doing it. Yeah, do. I was just so dehydrated.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like the similar feeling of when you come out the sauna and how you yeah. feel like six hours later out the sauna kind of thing. It's like yeah. that same kind of level of dryness. It's kind of weird. Maybe I should um, take
1: it on as a new home instead of the gym. That would be a good way of losing weight. It really
0: would. (laughs) But tell me about, so, so you obviously had somebody there, you're behind the scenes and someone has kind of spotted something in you and you're saying like you're quite chatty. Do you think that was the main thing that you just have a natural way of being able to just kind of build rapport with people or was there something else that you think looking back on it, they kind of spotted in you?
1: I think so. Now that I look back and I say this when I go into the schools, you know, I, I never shut up talking. Um, and, and now that I think about it, I was just sort of telling stories. So when I was at school, it would really annoy me if the teacher was like, right, time to start the lesson now, start the conversations. Cause I think, well, I'm halfway through a really good story here. Um, and I'd be telling, you know, I'd be telling my friends about some gossip or something I'd seen on the telly or something I'd read in a magazine. Um, and I was always that kind of person so I suppose I probably came into the office and I said hey what about this and, and, and chatted about things and, and actually now I know that that's a really important trait for for a presenter I mean now that I'm on Radio 1, that's essentially what we do every weekend. My producer says, what do you want to talk about? And I say, well, did you see this? Or me and my friends are talking about this in the group chat, or what about this off Love Island? And, <laughs> you know, that's essentially what, what I do for a job now. Yeah. So I think it might have been a bit of that. Also, the job I did at CBBC, it was the broom cupboard, as you say. So it was introducing the shows. Um, and, I, and I knew a lot about the programs because of the other jobs I'd done. So I think they wanted oh, somebody right. who, yeah. who knew a lot about the, the shows and could genuinely say they were a fan of them talk about Uh, them and so I think maybe that but it's interesting because now I think that I talk for a living and I have to be sociable and bubbly and loud for a job I don't think I am that person in the office that's like now I think if I run into somebody in the lift on the way to the canteen I'm actually quite quiet right (laughs) because I'm because I've used that energy up
0: yeah and what you (laughs) Um, like when you get home do you just kind of sit silently in a corner and sort of a
1: little bit yeah definitely yeah. it comes it comes a bit in waves but yes yeah, some nights i am just like oh sorry to so my boyfriend like i'm just i'm just so tired he's like are you okay and i'm like yeah i just i'm so tired i <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> talked especially if i'm doing like the podcast we do for radio one that's about um different mental health you know as you well know because you were on it and um, yes, that's
0: how we met and we'll put the link yeah, to, to my episode of life Acts. we'll put that in the show notes for this if oh you great check that out as well um, yeah so yeah, tell, tell us more about that
1: as you know, you know we we just interview different people who um, have an interesting stories to tell. So with you, we were talking about productivity and all the all the great stuff that you do. Uh, but a lot of the time, in fact, the style of the podcast has changed slightly now, and um, it's mostly people who've kind of been through something quite difficult. So yeah. we recorded some last week, and one was about trauma, and one was about um, alcoholism, and so at, by the end of the day of we you know we record like a batch of four of those, you're just emotionally drained. You know, you're just a bit like, whoa, I've spoken about this and this and this and this and I'm 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 kind of a little bit it's like you've had four counselling sessions in a row. Yeah. And you feel a little bit um exhausted by it.
0: And that must be quite a different dynamic from being on Radio One and talking about Love Island because obviously when you've got guests in there who've been through stuff that's really traumatic and you're talking about subject matters that are really sensitive, like it's much more about listening than talking, right?
1: Definitely. And we we do try and keep everything as, as light as we can. And, and even with those really serious topics, we end up having a little bit of a a little bit of a laugh. But um our show is is, you know, a little bit like that. It's a bit all over the place in that um we kind of start having a little chat and a laugh about something that's going on. Um and we play loads of music. We still play as much music as a daytime show. And then we will go on and do something, you know, a little bit more important in the middle so this week we talked about children's mental health week um you know we might talk about the environment we might talk about relationships um and then we do the chart for the last hour so it's a little bit like you're taking on a bit of an emotional roller coaster so it's kind of our job to to sort of guide people and transition people from one to the other without it seeming a little bit um drastic
0: yeah and i guess because it's radio it's also what do you do for the people who are sort of tuning in in the middle of stuff as well
1: exactly yeah i think you know there's there's definitely some research that most people listen to the radio for like 20 minutes max or something like that so and the likelihood is every 20 minutes you've kind of got a different a different turnover of people so they might not have been they might not be there for the whole the whole show
0: yeah yeah i think it's only
1: my boyfriend who listens like that he listens back (laughs) to the whole show (laughs) I'm, i'm a boss
0: (laughs) <laughs> or do you think sometimes he does like his 20-minute his stint just so he can kind of, when you get home, oh, there was that great thing you said about X, Y, Z.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be effective. Our boss tells us to like listen to ourselves back in the car because it kind of feels like you're listening to the radio when you're in the oh, car. I've, I've tried it before okay. and it really does. Yeah. Because um, if you just sit there with it on your phone in front of you, you feel very aware that you're listening to yourself back for, for yes. work reasons. But if it's yeah. just on the car, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is the experience most people are having. Most people listen to the radio when they're driving
0: and most people cringe when they listen to their own voice back i don't think i've ever really listened to one of these podcasts back. <laughs> um so do you do you get that same thing and like did you used to get it and you've changed or just kind of interested to to hear about that
1: yeah, I've got completely used to it now. But it's funny because my co presenter still feels that way. We 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 play a clip back in you know, if we pre record something and then it's going out in the studio, Kel's like, Oh god, my voice But I've got yeah, I've got very used to that now. I'm more harsh on myself when I watch something back T V on T V. Mm, right. Um I'm I'm more sort of you know, critiquing my appearance and i'm going oh my you know yesterday when i was on news and i watched that back and i was like oh my god i've got 17 chins
0: <laughs> being really dramatic about
1: that and then um, and i'm like why does my face move like that why i look a bit you know gormless why is my mouth open and so i, I more critique myself with telly which i think is why i prefer radio but i've, I've yeah. fully got used to the voice thing now but i yeah. think yeah for, for most people you just don't hear your voice back do you it's like an answer phone message or something and you're like oh god
0: yeah, and there is some science, isn't there, behind the 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 way that you hear your voice back is to do with the vibrations in your ear, so it's like everyone else is hearing it slightly differently. And then Yeah, do you know what exactly what's kind
1: of similar to that? Selfie cameras. Um so cameras on Instagram and Snapchat, when you have them in selfie mode, they flip mm, your face round. Yeah. So for example, if I take a picture on one of those in the studio and the radio one mics in you'll say radio one the wrong way round and i think i've taken pictures like that for so long that when i take them on a normal camera now i don't like my face that way <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that you know when you like you look in a mirror and you see someone else in the mirror and you think that's not the way around your face is yeah it's, yeah it's like that because it's sort of flipped
0: uh, now, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was there's been a few times on Twitter and I I haven't really been on Twitter for a while, but I remember when I used to follow you on Twitter and, and you used to post some really interesting threads about mental health uh, and about some of your own struggles and also about some of the uh sort of issues that social media throws up around kind of keeping up with the joneses or having to portray a certain lifestyle so i suppose the first question i want to ask you about that is like it feels like you're really honest about some of that stuff online and is that something that's ever felt like a risk or you know is, is that something that you were consciously trying to do
1: yeah i think i've always been a little bit heart on my sleeve um I think that's just the way that I, I deal with stuff is, is kind of just saying it. I was talking to my friend the other day actually about how you know different people I know in, in the industry, different presenters, I think we're all horribly insecure and we're all worried about whether we're successful enough or whether we're liked enough and, and we're all comparing ourselves to each other. But I think some people deal with that by maybe coming across a bit like arrogant perhaps. They come across very like everything's going great for me, I'm doing really well but actually you know that probably deep down that's coming from an insecure place i think i've always dealt with it by being quite honest about it and being like yeah. oh god i'm, yeah. I'm being quite self deprecating and 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 sometimes i think maybe i um do my maybe it's probably it's probably better for business to like look everything's going great yeah (laughs) um because then people perceive you as successful and and, you know you kind of you talk things through a little bit if you act successful you probably will be successful so I try and I try and keep a balance a little bit I try not to you know complain too much or I try not I'm never really honest on Twitter or Instagram about maybe if I'm struggling with work to get work or anything like that because I feel like that could be detrimental Mm. and i know some people who do do that um so i am definitely not fully 100% truthful on on social media i still keep up a little bit of a pretense that everything's fine and and i'm a success um, but i try and be i try and be as honest as i can about all the all the mental health stuff yeah. um i think just through I, through sort of being an ambassador for a couple of different children's mental health charities and and me doing various interviews where i spoke about that stuff it's just become quite normal now that mm-hmm. I'll just kind of be honest about it and also I just think it's becoming quite normal anyway I think people are very honest about the mental health now yeah um, you know it, it's not a shock when you read a celebrity talking about their mental health now is it you're like oh right okay that's um, true and I follow lots of people like that you know I'm following Matt, Matt Haig, and I'm following all these mental health advocates so <laughs> my feed's kind of full of that stuff anyway so I guess it's yeah. kind of just become really normal to me
0: i love matt haig and also he lives in brighton same as me so he's oh
1: he does yeah
0: who is on my radar to get on the podcast um, you
1: definitely should get him on yeah yeah he's fab he's fab
0: although he's also quite shy and um yeah well this
1: is the thing this is the thing (laughs) yeah i mean you know we'll have it sometimes we'll be recording podcasts and people will drop out the last minute or whatever and um, and you know it's a bit annoying, but also part of me is like, well, do you know what? We're, you know, <laughs> we're interviewing people with mental health problems, and if we're going to be, um, if we're going to be like, you know, supportive of people with mental health problems, you've got to understand that actually it's quite hard.
0: For sure. You know, even yeah. I, even
1: I get days where I've got to go out and talk to people from school, and I just think, oh my god, I can't do this today. And and I and I do, I force myself to do it, but mm. but it's a struggle. And I think sometimes I think that gets hard for people like Matt Haig, who essentially you know never really wanted to put themselves out in the public eye his his book about his mental health was kind of a surprise success and now he yeah. finds himself having to counsel people all the time
0: <laughs> yeah for sure um and so tell me a, a bit more about how you feel that impacts different generations so a lot of people listening to this podcast Uh, maybe a bit older than you and maybe even a bit older than me, (laughs) let's say. (laughs) Um, And, you know, one of the questions that's in my mind is, yes, society has opened up more about mental health, but you've talked a lot about children's mental health. And do you think think children's mental health is just more recognized as an issue now or do you think it's actually just more of an issue now? Like, you know, do, do some of the places that young people are hanging out online is that is that increasing some of those uh feelings of anxiety and issues around mental health
1: i think it's so hard to say isn't it because i think we've always you know we've always had mental health problems but perhaps you know nothing was done about it i mean you know once upon a time people were genuinely put into mental asylums and you know, for for things and and treated as though they were crazy, and you know, there's always been people with addiction problems. There's always been suicides, um, so we all those problems have already been have, have all always been there. But I think um, we definitely speak about them. Perhaps now people talk about the mental health before it gets to those stages. Mm-hmm. Um, with children's mental health, again, I think mental health problems have always started in childhood, but we don't necessarily. Um, recognize that because it's kids, and you think, well, have kids got to be worried about. And um, when they're teenagers, it gets blamed on the hormones and and them just being teenagers. Yeah. And um, I do think you know social media gets a really bad rep now, and I and I do think but it's hard for me to say because I obviously wasn't you know I wasn't alive in the 60s I wasn't alive in the 20s I don't know what life was like then really but I do feel like perhaps now there's more pressure on young people um to kind of be good at everything to have a successful job to be attractive to have a good body to run a marathon um you know, have all these things. And I think social media is the reason for that because um, everybody just puts all of their, their successes all over social media. So I think, you know, when I go into schools and ask people what they want to be, um, they often, they want to be influencers, they want to be premiership footballers or they want to be, um, you know, YouTubers, presenters. They want to be kind of the jobs that look, you know, that look like they bring a lot of glory and fame and money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I do think social media has a lot to, a lot to answer for there, yeah. I think that there'd probably be less mental health problems if if people weren't constantly comparing themselves, and and you know people might just be a little bit more content with a simple life. Yeah, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I don't know. We've obviously always been, you know, as as a species, we do just strive to better ourselves, and perhaps we'd perhaps we'd always put that pressure on ourselves, even if we weren't, you know, looking at social media all day.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm a big fan of um, Alan de Botton's book. Oh, yes. Status Anxiety. Have you read that one?
1: I haven't read it, but yeah, I'm a fan of his. I hosted a panel recently that he was... He was on, and he was oh, brilliant. Oh, Oh, I'm very yeah. Jealous. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was. People were coming up afterwards and having photos with him. Like people yeah. absolutely love him, don't they?
0: So he he's written this whole book, State of Anxiety, which really talks a lot to to that idea of of sort of um, like w- like one of the things he says in that book, which I think is really cool, is he says you're always jealous of the people who are fairly close to you so you'll be jealous of your neighbors or you'll get envy at you know the your friend you've known for 20 years and what their new car looks like whatever and it's like really if you think about it logically you should be more jealous of someone like the queen right because she's got all the money and all the wealth whatever but like we can't be jealous of the queen because she's too weird right (laughs) and so (laughs) this whole thing is it's like you know everybody everybody's level of status and everybody's level of of sort of achievement is relative to the people closest in their network and kind of around them um you know yeah. and I've, I think I've spent a lot of time and a lot of you know sort of mental energy over the years kind of really um like working quite hard to sort of unhook myself from a lot of that stuff to the mm. point where like my mum the other day was like you need to get a new front door graham it's like shabby and I'm like why <laughs> I'm like, what, like, who's that? You're not interested in keeping
1: up with the name. I'm inside,
0: I'm inside, right? I'm like, (laughs) I can't see it anyway. You know what I mean? So I, so I think I, um, I try and, um, you know, unhook myself from that stuff as much as possible. But like, you were just saying there about how you, you know, you're in schools, you're talking to lots of young people all the time and, and they're saying, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a celebrity. Um, and you know, you've been in and around that world. So like, what's your response to that when, um, when people are kind of voicing that as, as the ambition?
1: Well, when we're sort of talking about all the different jobs you can do, when, when they say they want to be like a pop star or a premiership footballer, I, I kind of say, well, you know, you know, go for those, if that's your dream, go for those dreams. There's lots of people who have gone, gone for that and and it's been realized, um, and but also there's lots of other jobs around that you know we have people on our panels that work in the music industry really exciting jobs we have people who design football shirts and football boots and we've had people on the panel who commentate on matches or work for match of the day as a researcher and you know we we sort of try and say to them there's so many different jobs in those areas if you have a passion and certainly if your passion is youtube your passion is social media your passion is sport you should go for that because that's the thing that you're going to enjoy and be good at but if i was going to come from a mental health angle and and sort of speak from experience you know from from people that i've met certainly fame and and money and success doesn't bring people happiness like they thought it would in fact in the creative industries you know i I think most people (laughs) have most people are kind of medicating through through their careers i think um my friend is actually, she, she is an actress and she um, was on CBBC with me and she's retraining as a counsellor at the moment and she's doing her final project on the mental health uh, effects of working in the creative industries. Yeah. And, it's, and she's kind of using me as a case study and various others. And I think there's a certain type of person who's ambitious who perhaps is, is susceptible to mental health problems because I think the reason you're perhaps ambitious is because you feel like you've got to prove yourself. You're looking for something missing in life. You're looking for this, this amazing answer that you think will be at the end of this big career achievement. And then you realize it's not. Um, and, and also then I think it's an industry that pulls you apart for various different reasons for being unreliable and for, you know, some of the Twitter trolls and stuff and, you know, yeah. all, all the comparison, all the very... So I think it's kind of twofold that the reason that uh, those mental health problems are rife. But, you know, we, you know, we need to look at the news and look at how many people that you admire in, in creative and artistic careers that have, that have taken their own life. Yeah. I think certainly it, it doesn't make you any happier to get to to have fame definitely not yeah um I, th- I think people think that they'll feel special and th- this just doesn't just apply to people who um who are famous this applies to everybody i think that i work with in the creative industries because when you tell someone you know i was chatting to a makeup artist at cbbc the other day you tell someone you do the makeup for the cbb's presenters they're like oh wow that's about you know you get to feel a bit special and in my job, I get to feel special because I, you know, a taxi driver asks what I do, and I say I'm a Radio One presenter, and they're like, "Oh my god, that's yeah, amazing!" Yeah. You, you know, there's little moments where you get to feel special because your job sounds really exciting. And I Which think- is
0: again, is one of those things, isn't it? Like, I, I mean, I remember, um, yeah, I mean, like Radio One presenter. Like when I when I was growing up, the people who were on Radio One, they were like the coolest people. Yeah. You know, going right, and it's it's another one of those jobs that like people would definitely be. Jealous of, and I actually don't listen to much radio like at all now. And I honestly can't remember the last time I've I listened to Radio One. I don't think I'm the target demographic. <laughs> but having said that, when I when I like walked into the Radio One studios when we did the podcast, I was like, "Cool, you yeah. are on Radio One." Like, it's I still felt a bit special, and it was like a cool thing to do, yeah, right? So that's definitely there. Is that something that you? How did you sort of keep yourself grounded? Um, when you started to get that kind of level of of sort of fame and feeling like you were at the center of, of good stuff?
1: it's really exciting being on Radio 1 every time I walk into that building I'm uh, I purposely go the route there's kind of a certain door where you walk through kind of a tunnel and the radio's playing and there's all these quotes on the wall <laughs> from musicians and I purposely always go that way because I find it I think that's probably the way I walked in the first time I went there Nice. I just thought yeah. wow this is cool um, and I find it really exciting it does make me feel special to be able to say I'm on Radio 1 um, but the fact that my, my job is still so unreliable um, you know I don't get paid a ridiculous amount of money to do it. I'm not on Radio One every day. I'm not one of the big Greg James's or the Scott Mills or what have you. And I still, you know, get so many career setbacks and, and struggle sometimes to to get enough work. Yeah. Um, that that keeps me grounded. <laughs> I don't think there's ever risk of me uh, getting above my station because I think the job for every for every time you're made to feel special, you're probably kicked to the floor <laughs> three other times. <laughs> so um it's it's nice to be on radio one and i and i feel like that's that keeps me sane when the rest of my you know when i'm struggling i'm getting setbacks and being told no and you know yeah um but so yeah it's 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 nice it it still has that cool i'm glad it still has that really cool sort of perception
0: yeah for sure um last thing i want to ask you about is work-life balance and um Mm like I, I suppose from from what you've described it, it kind of feels like perhaps you have times where you're much busier than other times and maybe it's not like you're in a sort of 9 to 5 rhythm that's always the same but there's something quite interesting about work life balance and how it relates to your job and what you do because if if part of being on radio one is sharing what you're talking about in your friends, WhatsApp groups and your opinions Mm. on love Island or whatever. Like it must get to a point where it feels like every decision you're making, you know, has to sort of relate somehow back to being material for the show, right. Or, or some kind of experience that you want to share and just wondering just how you kind of switch off from that. How you kind of, how do you separate you, you know, the worker from you, the person?
1: yeah for years now I felt like my job is very much just being me you know mm. if, if I put something on social media that's kind of part of my of my job being a presenter being a broadcaster so um I don't feel like it ever really ends and for that reason I will find myself laying in bed you know at midnight and I'm maybe doing something nice like I am reading a book on the kindle app or I'm um you know on instagram or whatever and then I'll find myself going on to an email and answering a really boring email because it just all feels like it's almost part of the same thing um and also for that reason sometimes i'm I'm on social media and that's work i've got messages from people that's work related or i'm looking at people in my same i'm looking at what the presenters are up to and that's making me feel a bit inferior about what i'm doing um and i i used to be a real workaholic and it was um it was one of the ways that I think I I tried to sort of fill that that missing hole in life that we all feel like we're trying to fill. Um, and I would constantly work. I would come home from work. This was when I worked for the BBC in a night of five. I would come home from work and I'd be applying for other jobs and I'd be planning things and I'd be writing and I'd be thinking about my career goals and writing lists of those things. Um, but I made myself quite unhappy with it. And I think because I wow. got to a stage where I was, had depression and was so unhappy, um, I'm now quite aware that, that that doesn't make me happy and that the simple things, the nice simple things in life are, are more important. So I feel myself, like if I'm going on Instagram and I feel everything on it's just annoying me, or I go on my emails and I read an email that really annoys me, I just go, right, okay, you're not in the mindset for this tonight. Go off that and go on to something else. Yeah. And also, my partner's really good. Like, he, you know, I watch telly with him pretty every night that I'm at home. We sit and watch telly together, and sometimes I'm on my phone at the same time as watching Love Island. You don't really need to be fully engaged with Love Island, <laughs> do two things at once. Um, but if we're watching something a little bit more that you want to concentrate on more, I'll make sure my phone's down. And, yeah. and he's yeah. very good at being like, you know, don't stay on your phone in bed too long. And so, so he kind of keeps me um, relaxed and doing doing the normal things that you should be doing as well. And not just constantly. If I was, you know, on my laptop upstairs in the spare room and eight o'clock at night, he'd be like, what are you doing? Come down and watch TV. So
0: yeah. um, Someone who keeps you grounded.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Which is all good. And that drive that you were talking about before where you were saying, you know, you'd be sort of coming home and applying for the next job and sort of constantly thinking about the next thing at work. Like, where do you think that came from?
1: I think it, I don't think it comes from a happy place, to be honest. Um, Mm. I think, you know, I've always been quite ambitious, but actually now that I've kind of analyzed my, my mental health so much, I think I was ambitious because I thought sort of getting a job that was really cool, like working in the media or whatever would make me feel really special. And that that would somehow cure any feelings of, of emptiness I had. I think it often comes from quite an unhappy place being a workaholic. Yeah. Um, so I think now that I'm kind of in a better place, I'm, I'm better at being able to to put my uh, put my phone down put my computer down and not constantly do that and also I think I realised that you know what's the you might know this because because of what you do but there's the philosopher that has the theory of the 80% 20% so like the, the law of,
0: principle, yeah, that's
1: the one the Pareto principle and um, I think I spent a lot of time doing a lot of fluff that never amounted to anything and now I try and think right what is my actual dream okay I want to be this morning presenter okay great so what do i need to do for that now email someone from this morning with some ideas that's what you need to do right now you know i try and think i try and start with the big picture and move back now nice um so that i'm doing less but but sort of doing more more in less time
0: cool yeah it makes a lot of sense and we've we've finished on a bit of productivity advice so that can't be bad
1: yeah perfect (laughs) Um, (laughs) so on brand
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been lovely having you on Beyond Busy and um, just let everybody know where they can connect with you, find out more about your work and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, great. So, well, my Radio 1 show is on Sundays from 4pm till 7pm and we talk about all kinds of different things like this. So, if you're into this podcast, I'm sure you'll be into it because we talk about just all important things to do with life and how to run your life better. Um, and there's a podcast as well that you can get wherever you get your normal podcasts. It's called life hacks and you can get me on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm just Katie Thistleton, just my full name. And it's Thistle, like a Thistle ton like a ton like a ton of pistols <laughs> if you want to know how to spell it and uh it's been weird this way around it's been weird just kind of you interviewing me i feel really bad like i've not asked you any questions about you
0: <laughs> well we did that one before right but uh, well no we've already I'd done it we would happily do it. it again sometime
1: <laughs> yeah oh definitely we'd love to have you defo
0: cool uh, katie it's been great um thanks so much and i'll catch you soon
1: oh thank you so much graham that was lovely
0: So that is pretty much it for another episode. Thanks again to Katie for being on the show. Really enjoyed that one. And a couple of other things I want to just say before I finish. So one is I hope you're surviving this whole coronavirus world thing. Um, My own reflection on it so far is that I think there's a big disparity between the public health England advice or whatever government advice you're seeing and reading where you are. And just the level of hysteria. And I don't really watch news and I'm not really on social media, but even so it just feels like inescapable how people are just losing their shit over this stuff. And actually, I don't know, I feel like when you look at the stats around how many people die of flu and you look at the fact that most people are recovering from this and you really play around with the statistical, uh, you know, logical risk management kind of viewpoints on here i just feel like everyone is getting a bit over the top about it and um you know maybe i'm recording this and then uh you know it'll be like some kind of scene from the road by the time this goes out who knows but it feels like there's a bit of a gap between the reality of the situation and how people are getting whipped up into a bit of a frenzy so yeah, like, can we just all keep calm a bit about this stuff and just listen to the doctors and listen to what they're actually saying rather than um, reading newspaper headlines that seem to spell impending doom? I don't know, just a thought. I'm uh, maybe saying that slightly self interestedly because I'm supposed to be uh, traveling to the Middle East uh, this coming week. And I'm sort of, you know, lucky. I've already been in touch with the client and said, this is still happening, right? We're still doing this, right? And they've just come back saying, yeah. So I think it's fine. But yeah, it just feels like one of those things. Uh, Second thing I want to just talk about, because this, I think, may well be a question to throw out to you guys as the listeners of this podcast. So this year, my big kind of news resolution or... Uh, goal for the year, whatever you want to call it, is to really start taking marketing more seriously. Uh, those, those of you who follow me closely will know that I don't even have an email mailing list. I'm not really on Twitter. I don't do all of that stuff that you're supposed to do. And I used to be into it and I used to watch a lot of the early Gary Vaynerchuk stuff and think to myself, cool, Gary's saying I should do this. He's obviously onto something And I don't doubt that he is. I think it's kind of changed a bit now where a lot of those platforms, particularly Facebook and and whatever, have got to the point where there's no longer free uh, access to the platform. Basically, like you build up a big audience giving out free content and all that sort of thing, and then Facebook starts charging you to access that same audience because it's their platform And, you know, you end up just spending a fortune reaching the same people that you reached for free four years ago, whatever. So I'm quite cynical about all that stuff. But I'm really, uh, I'm taking some steps to really up my game this year. And there's a few things happening behind the scenes just around setting up email, click funnels and things like that that will just, hopefully the idea is to get my books and my work out to a wider audience. I don't really have plans to move into sort of, you know, high ticket, uh, scammy, spammy courses or anything like that. I just don't want to go there. That's just not how I want to do business and how I want to work. But by the same token, it'd be great if a bigger audience was latched onto my stuff and tuned into my stuff. So I'm kind of taking some some uh, big steps around that stuff right now. And um, I've written a blog post about it, which um, I'm about to post out And we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes once it's out. And it might not be as you're listening to this uh, yet in the show notes because it's not yet been released. But over the next few days anyway. And uh, that sort of articulates. I've been just doing some thinking and articulating what my uh, style of doing personal brand type marketing would look like versus all the things that I really find cringeworthy and horrible about all that stuff. Um I, I you know and, I, and it's funny isn't it because I actually think this medium of podcasting is where I feel like I can be myself the most and it feels like the place where I have quite a good connection with people compared to other stuff I've done in terms of sort of marketing whatever and maybe the the truth of that is that I didn't really start this podcast to be marketing I was just interested in doing a podcast because I was a fan of other podcasts, you know, things like the Scroobius Pip podcast and Richard Herring I listened to a lot and uh, quite a few other of those podcasts, you know, Desert Island Disc podcast and stuff like that, where it's like people being interviewed about their work and what they do and their stuff. And uh, I've just always been into that. I just really like it. So maybe that's why it feels like the most natural thing for me is because it doesn't ever feel like work or marketing. But having said all that, I'd love to just hear your thoughts on where you think I could do some good around marketing and likewise if you have pet hates and pet peeves around marketing things that you're like graham whatever you do never do that then let me know so it's graham at thinkproductive.co.uk i'd love to hear your thoughts on all that um or you can add me on instagram and just send me a dm there i'm just simply graham will caught just all one word on instagram so yeah find me on instagram or send me a, an email to graham at thinkproductive.co.uk the questions are What would you like to see me do around marketing and personal branding that you think would be good and add value to the world? And what would you hate to see me start doing around marketing, personal branding, all that sort of stuff? That's my question to you this week. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Really intrigued to see what I get back. So that's that for another week. I'll see you in two weeks time with another episode of Beyond Busy. I'm really hoping that my flight is not cancelled and that my Uh, client work this weekend is not cancelled and all of that so stay safe wherever you are and uh, yeah try not to get bummed out by all the hysteria of corona and all that stuff take care see you in a couple of weeks bye for now